And welcome back. This is season two, episode that, 12. That of was so aggressive. The Bottomless <laughs> Podcast. My name is Kevin, and these two. My name is Leslie. My name and, is Vincent. And <laughs> we are three brown friends doing a podcast. Uh, I, know I live in Hawaii. LA. And I reside in, in Florabama. Um, Late and 20s, we are. <laughs> Kevin is about to exit the 20s and leave us behind. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. That is spelled V. He's lifted it back in. And we are on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, where wherever you have your OnlyFans, etc., etc. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> and if and Chris or anyone from my church, if you're watching this, you'll never find my OnlyFans. But I'm wilding. <laughs> okay, but bottomless is a great OnlyFans. Never mind. All right. Oh God. <laughs> 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 I said never mind. On intrigue alone. <laughs> Yo, we should. I want. We should do like an episode of Bottomless where each of us gets on the phone with our parent, one parent. And then ask them that they know what OnlyFans is, and then try to describe oh. OnlyFans. For- <laughs> I feel like you know. I feel like my mom probably has heard of it at this point. She listens to the radio too much, like urban mm. radio. I don't think either of my parents would have heard of it. Hell, my mom definitely ain't heard of that shit. Yeah. And my brother's mouth is reckless. I'm sure he's made jokes about it to her. Mm. Oh, oh god. My brother has a Kevin mouth. Nah, your brother. <laughs> your I've heard your brother that one time at JoJo House. Your brother's more wild than me. <laughs> I've oh come. I met this. his brother once in a fleeting glimpse outside of the garage. So I'm basically even with you, Kevin. <laughs> Wait, how, was it long ago or was it recent? No, it was like this Christmas when I was picking you up. He was just kind of like hovering around outside the garage. And I was like, oh my God, there's Vincent's brother who I like never see. <laughs> yeah. You can meet him eventually. Um, Wild. Wild. Well, speaking of wild, then me in approximately six weeks when I get my next vaccination shot, my final one, and I wait two weeks so that it fully actualizes or whatever. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're still in the pandemic. COVID is still a thing. And even if you're vaccinated, you can still carry it and transmit it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera blah, blah, blah. There's but, strains. but it does, I don't know for y'all, but it does feel like we are in like the what's it called after the climax like the falling falling action i feel like we're in the falling action of the pandemic like it definitely feels like that so i'm curious for y'all like how are y'all feeling since we're all at least halfway vaccinated what are you guys most excited for yeah what are your thoughts well not to be a debbie downer but i've kind of been thinking like i don't know you know i (laughs) well i I didn't fully realize how bad the situation in india was until like last week and then i got caught up on that and i was like oh my god like are we you know not only the horrors that are going on there and like if you're indian and you're here but like you know I, i mean people are saying basically like if that doesn't get under control like like the pandemic might not be over <laughs> which makes sense right because like the u.s is being a dick and like not lifting the patents right for the vaccine and like yeah, oh, so i don't know i guess i guess i honestly haven't allowed myself to go to that headspace quite yet such a debbie downer just because so, i was okay. like thank oh. you for listening to the bottomless podcast 
<laughs> I, you're right. Like, you're not wrong. But you're right. As a fun thought exercise. <laughs> no, and I think it's also worth mentioning. We preach to our friends that listen to this that know these things already. So preaching to the choir. Also, I mean, there, it's not just India, but like, I think most African countries aren't set to get vaccinated fully till like 2023. Like the global South in general, like right. we're eager beavers. We're like the first ones. Um, so definitely aware of that. But on that note, what are you guys looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Leslie took Vince's appetizer. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <And> she... <laughs> it's it's bottomless. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna pretend Leslie's world doesn't exist because I live in Florida, and uh, true. <laughs> and also, I don't believe in COVID or, or it is a democratic hoax. And honestly, my phone signal has been popping ever since I got the five G vaccine. So, yeah, like I. I don't know. I've, I've, yeah. So I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Leslie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought about not, but it's my honest answer. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> okay. Um, if you want, I can just go in and be the tone deaf asshole and say how excited I am to I find out to music and bars. As, as long as me and Vince are on the same page. As long yeah. as me and Vince. Yo, 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 yo. Okay. Um, so yeah, COVID is done. Um, New York's open July 4th. It's fucking lit. Like, no what more. Does that mean? Is it mean like they open restaurants and stuff completely full, or like movie full, theaters? Full open. Yo, oh, Cuomo wow. got accused of sexual harassment, legalized weed, and shut down COVID. Cuomo said <laughs> it's getting oh, desk. He said <laughs> Cuomo said, I'm getting reelected. <laughs> Fuck is you talking about? <laughs> COVID. He's, he's, he's doing what he has to do. He said prostitution is legal. Weed is legal. <laughs> There's no COVID. Yo, Cuomo. I'm mad. Yo, Qualms, you did what you had to do. I Don't gas Cuomo. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking excited. Like, ironically, I'm excited for large gathered spaces, concerts, um, comedy shows. Like, I'm, I'm excited for like. Yeah, for I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I haven't been to a good comedy show in so long. That's like one of the perks of living in LA because there's a comedy calendar where literally at least three, four plus shows a night, every night, um, are a thing. I want live music. That's just all I want. Just one mm. live music situation. Yes. Vibing with strangers. Honestly, I kind of want to go to the club. But hey, not we know you do. <laughs> but not as a return, as like I'm ready to like have my bursting onto the club scene experience because prior to COVID, like I wasn't in a space of life where I was really like interested in that. But I think it sounds so fun to go and check out, check out what's happening in there. You know, like got, totally. Does, no, I've never gone clubbing. And does does Hawaii have a good club life, like a nightlife, like a or is it's around? It exists. I mean, I don't really know yet because I haven't jumped into the fray, but that's oh. like my exciting, like I'm going to have a day where I'm like, it's time or a weekend. I'm going to like go jump in, come back home, think my thoughts, feel my feelings <laughs> and then see how we proceed. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for that. <laughs> I fuck with that. I fuck with that heavy. 
I feel like I could see you bar hopping more than clubbing, but I could see you like thriving at bar hopping now, like making friends outside, smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes, talking to strangers. I mean, kind of like, Leslie, when, when do you smoke cigarettes? Like, I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that's the vibe that's going to be you after COVID. We'll see. I don't know. Bar hopping, I'm not do well because I, uh, I don't think I do well with being able to tell, you know, how to make sure I'm drinking like it's like I never expect to get like it's too much. And then I'm like, ah, you do anyway. get zero to 100, I must say. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Leslie's gone. <laughs> when did this happen? So embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. I'm trying to think there's anything else that I'm looking forward to. I mean, a lot of stuff I did like was already outdoors, but it'll just be nice to like do stuff and not have to. Not have that like kind of yeah that like that cloud worry and yeah do y'all feel like you've like took anything away specifically from the past year being stuck inside or has the pandemic taught you anything well definitely it's been like a non-stop stream of learning i feel like and we've talked about so much of it you know like Mm -hmm. on these episodes but I think that it's really helped. And I think we talked about this in one of our first episodes again, where it's just really highlighted like what was already important. It's so clear, like how important it is, like for example, relationships. And then what was less important is highlighted how much less important it is. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome for those profound <laughs> thoughts and details. <laughs> that was beautiful, honestly, the pros moving. Uh, yeah. So anyone who lives in a, in a area that's susceptible to hurricanes knows the drill with bread, milk, and water. And I thought, I thought that was just a thing and power. I mean, power generators, like you can't really, but people, they usually have power generators. If you live in a place that's susceptible to hurricanes, but so we know the drill. I know, we all know how Fayetteville, North Carolina is going to act. We know how, we just know. I know how Florida is going to act. I didn't know that like the, this, the, no, I, I, I am better than a lot of people. I didn't know the general, <sighs> I didn't know the general, I am. Um, and, may, and maybe that's because, maybe that's because of just who I, how I was born. Maybe the, maybe the military training just conditioned me a certain way to, to, concern myself at least with my the well-being of my local and immediate community and not immediately panic mode to like and um self self survival preserve preserve preservation but like this weird panic thing that happened with toilet paper which i still it was wild and i still don't get it bro i don't get it and it's like and it's like oh i don't think the majority of the population is like that but what it tells me is that there's enough people in the population that like uh, shit got shit got spooky for a little bit with food, with with meat, with with a lot of shit at my local grocery stores. And so it just taught me, oh, that's not just like the co- communities like hurricane communities that are, you know, coastal coastal towns and states, the whole world. But then I heard like Dave Chappelle say in his little small town in Ohio, like they didn't do that because, you know, smaller communities that are more incubated and you kind of, you might know everyone in the community. So there's more of a, like a, 
like a like a concern for one another. So smaller communities like that, maybe not. But I think in most of the most of the U.S., like we we unfortunately live around a bunch of fucking idiots who like their panic mode and panic attack and their like freak the fuck out instinct could like put us if if something like COVID happened again, not like so if something to the extent that affects a global. I think um, it probably will. Just again, to that's what I'm. Cheer. That's what like, I'm saying. And what if next time? Yeah. What if it's like a power group? What if what, whatever it is? What if the people who freak the fuck out because they're so fucking weak-minded and feeble do that with something a resource? No, like fuck these motherfuckers. Yo, dog, I didn't. I like anyway. What if they do that to an extent with a resource that it's like when. If you ever watch like Justin Bieber documentaries or Michael Jackson documentaries, when they open the doors to the arena and people literally get trampled, because there's this weird thing about the human mind where it'll go into this frenzy state, whether it's panic or excitement, and you'll literally like behave in a way that's detrimental to the safety of others. So like, and toilet paper isn't detrimental to the safety of others, but like this freak the fuck out mode where it's like, bro, like, so I, if one thing, it just taught me like, oh, there's more, there's a higher density of stupid fuck people around me than I thought there were. Like, so, like a lot of you motherfuckers are fucking, not our listeners, our listeners are beautiful, but the people our listeners live around, don't, y'all, our listeners, be careful because we live around a bunch, a, a dense population of dumb motherfuckers who panic and freak the fuck out before pausing and thinking about the immediate community around them and how things might, how their behaviors and actions might impact their immediate local communities. I actually don't doubt that there's a lack of um, rationality and like the panic mode, but I'm curious like where the logic is. Like, do you guys know why it's usually milk, toilet paper? I don't know if this is like, we live in the States, so scarcity is more of like a myth than reality. Like we're, we don't have scarce resources despite what we think, but I'm, do places with scarce resources like freak out and buy the same things? I just don't understand why toilet paper, milk, like, I, I don't get the reason. By the way, I bought toilet paper for the first time in literally eight months a month ago because my parents had sent me a huge amount. And I live by myself now. So, you know, you don't go oh, through it as much. Oh. And I was like, oh, I was I have been out of toilet year. paper for a month. Out of toilet paper? Yep. Because Vince's parents bought it all. Hey, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all mine well, now. Well, well, well. Talk well. about that. <laughs> Wait, full circle. Is there no, are you guys out of toilet paper on? No, my, <laughs> what my sister has toilet paper, she's using it. I just haven't replenished my supply. <laughs> this is so gross that I'm just going to share it. No, there's a way. You just use napkins and you have a little bag. Leslie, of- g- girl, I'll, I'll send you some toilet paper. <laughs> we'll prime you some. It'll no, be there tomorrow. Honestly, for a while it was because I was just too lazy to go to the store and also was in a little rut. You know, when you like, you don't want to go shopping and stuff. But then I found this really cool store where it's like all like recycled goods. And like, it's just, it's like, they donate 20% and I'm like, oh my God, I want to start getting all my home goods here. But then I just like, so I haven't gone to the store to get toilet paper, but then I just haven't like exerted the will to like find what I need on the store and click order. So that's you, the current conundrum. If it's a good home, maybe this is not the direction for our podcast, but what? I'm, I love sustainability if there's literally one thing i will forfeit sustainability it's on a good piece of toilet paper i'm not trying to have really tree bark See, scratching I don't my care ass that hole. much like it's not that big of a deal <laughs> <laughs> clearly i don't care that much. <laughs> like 
why does it really matter? Vince said socialism. Vince said socialism until. Well, actually, on the note of toilet paper, though, I feel like bidet bidets have been a big thing that I keep hearing about because people, due to the lack of it, have been getting bidets. And there's like cheap add-ons you can get now um, that apparently sponsor a lot of podcasts. So can you listen? It's like a you like unscrew the wait do you oh, have no i know what a bidet is oh you're just saying like a cheap like you add it to your current toilet i thought you mm. meant like an add-on to the idea of a bidet i was like what you add mint to like what do you that's kind <laughs> of a vibe <laughs> that's kind of sick i'm gonna i'm gonna invent that don't no one steal it i already did kevin oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so, i don't know why i kind of but to one. kevin yeah to kevin's point i do feel like i mean i don't i don't necessarily agree with your sentiment but i know what you're saying and i you live around a bunch of fucking idiots no i think that the part i agree with is that it highlights that we do tend to function thinking that we're more separate than we are because what you're saying is that you're saying it's stupid for people to just self-preserve instead of thinking the community and i agree in the sense that the pandemic highlighted like how interconnected we all are and how much like it just makes more sense to function an explicit acknowledgement of that connection rather than like when we get pushed to the very edge and have to being like oh i guess mm. like you know we'll acknowledge this rather than like be like no this is how it is and so how do we like function with that mindset you know not just like acknowledge it but like be like this is the truth and so how do we live in a way that you know like um uh, that uh, I'm trying to think of a better word than capitalizes on it because I don't think it fits well here but yeah capitalizes on it in the sense of like we can do more together anyway you know I mean I think you can apply that to mass to social distancing to like our resistance to any sort of like the (laughs) idea of caring about the greater collective or the community that we all rely on is like treated as some sort of like attack on our way of life because it basically is we're super individualized and atomized so it, it is mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why even though i don't believe in church i go and help set up and serve every sunday uh respect actually I, I church can absolutely that. be such a good way to learn about community it can be now nah, fuck we all that. know that there's i don't believe in those people i don't believe in them <laughs> but i serve every sunday Poor Chris. One thing I feel like I have learned, or something that I added some additional nuance to, is Vincent why... is always about that nuance. He's always <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> um, in ways times it probably doesn't even apply, but here we are. Um, like the way I feel about alone time, because I'm very pro alone time. I love to be off the grid, as I would say. But I've realized that I don't want to be off the grid. What do you mean, as I would say? That is such a used phrase. I don't know. I'm I've, just going to like, I'm going to put you. Wow. That's okay. Give me all the smoke. I feel like I say that to Kevin more than any, or Kevin and Jojo probably. Oh, okay. Like, especially because we have a group chat that's active. And sometimes I just need to go off the grid and like literally turn my phone on airplane mode and stare into the abyss. Um, or look outside longingly into the distance, one of my favorite pastimes. But I realized I don't, I just miss that space when it's just space for that. And I, I realized I don't want to be alone, like at all costs. So like working, um, I think working is probably one of the big ones, but like I, I, I 
prefer to have alone time, but it has to be like a very specific alone oh. time that doesn't have like an agenda or like I don't know. I I I thought I would like being home all the time a lot more than I actually do. I have a question. Do you mean I have an answer? Do you mean I have a comment, a spicy one. We're out of control. Do you mean like, for example, when I heard you say that, the way I related and I could be wrong was and a Saturday off feels better when you when I worked Monday through Friday. So do you <gasps> yes. do you do you mean your alone time feels better when you ha- when you were forced to, when you had the the weight of what you had to do throughout the week. So the alone time felt better when you got it. So then when the pandemic hit and you were really alone for like a whole seven days, you were like, bro, I thought I would like seven days alone, but when it's 365 days alone, it doesn't feel as sweet as I thought it was. Is that what you mean? Yeah, there's, yeah, it's that like, sweet's a good word. Like I kept telling myself this week, like I was looking around dramatically and saying like, I can't wait for my home space to be just my home space. Like I haven't, I've lived in this apartment during the pandemic. It hasn't oh, just been my home space yet. Yes. And I think that is that like sweet of like coming home from work and like, oh, I'm home now. And mm. oh, it's rewarding. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's real. Yes. Totally makes sense. Did you have an actual spicy comment, Leslie, or are you just. <laughs> were you oh, just... That was my spicy comment. Totally makes sense. Boom. Done. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, um, I guess on that note, um, segue, this has nothing to do with what we just talked about, but I did want to shout out spicy food, curry, Thai, Asian continent, Asian American, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We love word association. So it's officially May. So happy. I just said it. It's long winded. AAPI month. Happy month. Um, so wanted to throw that out there. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I watched uh, this piece by a journalist at Jacobin Jinpan that I thought was pretty interesting that I hadn't really ever thought about. Um, and the piece was basically saying that there is no AAPI community. Like that isn't actually a thing. Um, and I, since we have some Asian Americans on this podcast, I wanted to kind of see y'all's thoughts on how you identify with that phrase. And the TLDR of what she talked about was the ways, um, and she she gave some historical precedent. So a lot of these racial identity categories made sense in like the early 60s where um, in the case of Asian Americans, you have a coalescence of a wide group of cultures who are coalescing because they wanna have like a strategic coalition that can push for rights for Asian Americans, um, which is hard to do when you're so fragmented. So in that sense, it, 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 there was some logic behind it, but Jen Pan in her piece pointed out how Asian American, it's a census term that includes 20 million people, it's 45 ethnic groups, 100 plus different languages, and 85% of Asian Americans don't even identify with the label, they instead identify with like their specific ethnic backgrounds, so maybe Korean American. Um, <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting, and then she also kind of critiqued it a bit about how um, it kind of obfuscates the specifics of the different communities where Asian American is actually, I think, the most economic, economically unequal group where the wealthiest household is like 165 times as wealthy as the least wealthy um, and kind of pointed to like the anti-Asian sentiment and like the attacks on uh, like the Atlanta attack on the massage parlor 
and how divorced that is from the reality of like a wealthy Chinese billionaire. Um, but we roll that in the same category as Asian American. So all that to say, I was curious if you guys had thought about that. Do you even think about calling yourself Asian American um, versus Korean American or generally what, what are your thoughts? So I did watch the video that Vincent is mentioning um, and we can put it in the description if you guys want to watch it too. Yeah, I feel like a few things are that specifically what she was getting into, I didn't really start thinking about until I moved here actually to Hawaii. Um, mm. But the general sentiment of, I, I think that most Asian Americans who would fall under that umbrella. Yeah. Like identify as like, like definitely like if someone asked me, I wouldn't be like, I'm Asian. I'd be like, I'm Korean American. Like I'm half Korean, you know, whatever. Um, but I think like, I think most of us would identify that in terms of relating to how we are seen in America. Like, you know, if we wanted to refer to like the experience in general, in general, if you have dark hair and certain eye shapes and generally usually have certain cultural background, like, you know, unless you're like fourth generation here or something, but even then, you know, it's still be there. Like, it's like referring to that, I think, rather than like, but then if you want to get more related to your specific experience, um, like definitely like you would identify by, with your ethnicity. And I do remember specifically having a friend who was Korean when I was younger and she had um, just like a different experience. Like she was more down the line. Like, you know, like my dad came here when he was like an adult, like almost 30. Um, and then, you know, my, me and my siblings were like the first gen from when he moved here and like my friend, like their family had been here for a while. So she just had a little bit less like of I think the um, cultural like influence. And, you know, she like always referred to herself as Asian or anybody else as like, like oh, just like a Asian. And I was always like a little bit salty about it, honestly. Like, and this is just young me. So this isn't like connected to any like deep thoughts or anything. I was just like, why? Like, it almost felt like she was referring to herself the way that I used the term to refer to how people saw us you know the difference between being like yeah I'm Asian in the sense of like at school the Asian mm. kids like or if I was mm. the Asian kid in the class it's like I use that word to refer to how they see me like you know it, do it doesn't really mean anything outside of like that perception and so I was always kind of like why are you like but it kind of made sense right because if you have less of that direct influence from your ethnicity like for whatever reason then you would identify, I think, more broadly, like, because your experience is shaped by how you're perceived. So mm. there's that. Does that make sense? It does. And then what, so what about being in Hawaii? I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious, like, what, how did that affect your perception or identity? Well, hold on. Let me pull up my note just to make sure that I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, just some of the things that is referenced in that video Vincent was talking about, um, I just kind of naturally learned moving here, like, especially if you get into AAPI, so Asian American Pacific Islander, it's like, just, yeah, there is no connection other than, like, I don't even know why. I mean, I guess in general, it made sense to me when I was younger, like, if I was, because I was like, oh, yeah, the general same patch of the sea that isn't, you know, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> 
it's like oh from Hawaii over but like you know there's like an illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom like Hawaii is illegally occupied by the U.S. that's a completely different experience than South Korea which you know Japan colonized and then there was World War II and then the Korean War and like you know like my dad was born like two years after the Korean War ended like completely different experience Japanese and, and Koreans in the U.S. in our generation like I didn't even know until maybe like five years ago that like our parents' generation and definitely the grandparents, there's still often like tensions. Whereas like to the general eye, you know, mm. it'd be like, aren't you guys the same? Or like, aren't you guys like automatically you have so much in common? Whereas it's like one or two generations ago, there's still tension because of the Japanese colonization, you know? And like, so mm. I think that a big part of the reason moving here made me think more about this is because of obviously there's a lot of Pacific Islanders here. And in a very, very general sense, like there's absolutely things that are in common across cultures. Like, I think I mentioned it, you know, like I loved when I moved here, I worked in an office with someone who's Tongan and who is someone who's Filipino. And we just like constantly were like running into things that we all just understood or we'd all been raised in certain ways or like, even being able to joke in a much more nuanced way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm. there's some beautiful jokes that come out of you get that nice little combination together in an office like every day. And so it was like for the first time because I wasn't in spaces where, because there were so few of us, the broader umbrella term of Asian just was easier to reference. It was like there was room for me to be more fully like, uh integrating the parts of me that come from the fact that I'm half Korean because there's more of us so there's more room for diversity that makes sense right like if there's mm -hmm. one Asian person in a room of 50 it's like you're Asian <laughs> like it doesn't really matter <laughs> that's your functioning like thing whereas you know if you are there's 45 Asian and Pacific Islander people in a room and then five people or something else like obviously there's just much more room to be like we are distinct and we have completely different life experiences and Anyway, um, mm. so there's that. And then I'll just add in because um, she, was her name Jen Pan, the mm -hmm. journalist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she brought up, yeah, the idea of obfuscation and basically the way that this term can erase really important things to pay attention to in terms of, of pushing for social change and different types of equality and in different areas of life. Um, a big one that actually came up this past year in my job was um, just the way that there isn't good data. Well, there hasn't been good data on how COVID is disproportionately impacting the Filipino community. Um, and there's obviously a big Filipino community here. And um, yeah, it's just like, if you take the general let me just preface this by saying I could take longer and like pull, I, I've actually looked up all the articles and everything to make sure I had the information right, but it'd take me a lot longer to read. So just, I'll tell the ideas. And if you guys want to look it up, you know what I mean? Like, I, I remember the ideas, not all the numbers and everything, but the basic idea is if you look at like how COVID has impact, impacted Asian Americans as a broad umbrella, or even AAPI as a broader umbrella, it really erases the fact of how bad COVID has impacted the Filipino community. And so therefore, obviously, like if it's more greatly impacting one community, then resources need to be and, and strategy and everything should be informed by that. 
but it, it isn't when it's like one broad umbrella. And um, so that's been something like we're working with a group that's basically like trying to get more data on that and trying to specifically push more resources um, for the Filipino community. And then another, the last one, the, the second big example I thought of that I learned about after I moved here was, yeah, like, especially in Hawaii, again, when there are so many Asian people from all across Asia and so many Pacific Islanders and native Hawaiians, it, it, it's like the perfect place to see how silly it is to group because it's, it's basically most of the population, right? So then to be wow. like, we the population, you know, what I mean? <laughs> we're all so different. But then particularly cutting is the fact that, um, again, you can look at specific numbers if you want to, but basically native Hawaiians make up such a small at this point percentage of the population, but are the most represented like in the jail system and are like more likely mm. to be convicted of drug crimes. What does that sound like? You know, mm. like once again, mm. and, and you know, my part as someone who's actually part of the, I'm an, I'm American, right? And I moved here knowing none of this. And, you know, there's definitely a responsibility to be like, I'm a settler. Like I, I was able to come here because like we're illegally occupying Hawaii and I have nothing like, no, like, like I have nothing in common with the struggles of a native Hawaiian, you know, like, okay, maybe in some really, really broad senses, but that's more like from a sense, I feel like of like, again, the societal eye of how they want to think about populations, which I think is much more how to make public sentiment feel better about we're addressing the AAPI community mm. rather than anything like real, you know, like, um, like my struggle could never be compared to like a native Hawaiian, you know, <laughs> it's just completely different. And I'm on the oppressor side. So like, uh, I'm being over, you know, the oversimplifying, but, um, yeah, I think that those were the main things that came to my mind. Um, it's, it's basically like when you're, it feels like it's like what Jen Pan was critiquing was the fact that this term can be used to group people in a way that has no real relation to any of the major concerns at this point that would need to be addressed in the people that fall under this umbrella. Um, yeah, I mean, it reminds me too of like the conversation in the context of anti-Black racism and like the way we critiqued it ad nauseum at this point, like Kamala Harris, great that she's Black, Asian, woman in power but like ideologically she's not really any different than anyone else and like cornell west i think says it best when he called obama a neoliberal and blackface it's like it's these these labels can really distract from like the more substantive things that need to be done with communities um i'm curious when you say like asian is a term that makes you think of like the eye of people not in the community it reminds me kind of my understanding now at least I learned more about the term oriental and the concern obviously there's like a objectifying issue with it like rugs are oriental not people that like that's like the type of sentiment but the other thing is my understanding of the history of the term is that it's it was a term specifically to otherize people from the east by like europeans which is why when you're using oriental like no asian person would call themselves oriental because it's not a term for them it's a term for for lack of a better term, the white man who's otherizing them. Is is it a similar, I, I mean, I think that's probably like a much more harsh example, but is, is that what you kind of mean when you say like you would never view yourself definitely, as Asian? No, I am Asian. The thing is, I'm just talking about 
the way that I, what I mean when I say I'm Asian. Mm-hmm. Like when I say I'm Asian, I'm referring to the way that I'm perceived in society. Like I'm perceived as an Asian woman. Well, sometimes I'm also perceived as like, hey, mama, Sita. Like it depends on what oh. I'm wearing. How I do my hair. Hey. <laughs> you know? And honestly, sometimes I'm perceived as Hawaiian. <laughs> like, but the, the life of a happy. But um, that, so it's not actually, I mean, and I can't obviously speak for all Asians. I don't know. But right. I think yeah. most Asian people are fine with the term but it's just like we know it's referring to how we're perceived i feel like i'm just saying the same thing again and again but no not necessarily like an feeling like it's a way to otherize but like it it's silly to be like if you're asian if you're trying to tie it to anything beyond how we're perceived in society would just be such broad strokes like maybe broadly it could refer to like you maybe likely grew up in a household where like respect of elders was emphasized you know like some really mm. really really broad things that i think could probably cross most asian cultures <laughs> but you know if you wanted to get any anything more toward actual like things that influence your identity i think the ethnicity like that's what i you know mm. Kevin, I'm curious for you. Also, um, I think they made some nods to the other host in that segment, at least, um, was Hispanic. Um, and he, he kind of mentioned, too, some parallels in, like, the Latinx community, which is a very American English way of saying it. I know no one that speaks Spanish would call themselves Latinx. But Latinx community, like, wouldn't generally refer themselves as Latino or Latina, but would also be inclined to perceive themselves as like Puerto Rican American or Dominican, Dominicano, Cubano, et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious for you because A, you're biracial, B, you're racially ambiguous. So I think this might just be a much different conversation for you, but like, how does any of that gel? Like when it comes to identifying as Asian and Latino, as opposed to like Korean and Puerto Rican? I, I use, it's funny, I use all four. I use Latin, I use Hispanic. I don't use Latin because I don't, I don't use Latin. I use Hispanic, I use Korean, I use Asian, and I use, um, what's the other one? Hispanic, which is a general term. Asian, which is a general term. Korean and Puerto Rican. I use all four terms. Um, I never looked at the different categories in any other way other than an easy way for me to like explain to someone. And also because I have a far separation from the identities of those cultures. Like you said, I'm racially ambiguous. So those cultures don't accept me. Um, so real quick from Kevin, fuck everyone. Um, but yeah, so I honestly, just, no, like, that's a mood, bro. bro but... Fuck, fuck, fuck whites, fuck blacks. Fuck okay, Puerto we didn't, fuck elaboration Korean. wasn't necessary. Like bro, fuck every community. Cause I'm not like, it's like, it's like Khaleesi in Game of Thrones when she came to the, the gates of that city in the desert and she was knocking to like get in. They were like, ah, oh, we don't, we don't think we want to let you in. We don't, you're going to die in the desert. That's how I feel with every single community my entire life. Cause I'm racially ambiguous. So mm-hmm. fuck every single community. Um, but no, I've used all four just cause they're useful and helpful at different points, whether I, and based on the mood of how how specific I want to get in that conversation, they're helpful. They're helpful utility. So I've used all four, and they've never. But I will say, when I see that, like it's like anywhere I go where they're announcing it's Asian Pacific heritage, whatever the fuck, I have no like. There's nothing in me goes oh like I feel seen. It's like uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> is that because any- though of your experiences of because. The interesting thing is like, obviously the, the part you're talking about that you haven't 
received the identity building part of is just like how you're perceived, but you have a Korean mom. So obviously like you're hundred percent half Korean, like in your life well, experience so and influence here, though. But here's the funny thing. Like I, I, me and Vincent have a conversation about the idea of, of black, right? Black is a, is a, is an identity specific to those of a certain, of a visible skin tone in America. That was the conclusion me and Vince came to. Like that's very, mm. so, mm. so like in the same way as y'all were talking, I was like, oh shit, that's, that's kind of the conclusion I've come to with myself in being Asian. Cause you can't tell I'm Asian. So, and my mom, my name is Kevin. My mom clearly didn't have a lot of like beyond taking me beyond beyond taking me back to Korea at one point to go visit. My mom clearly and mom, if you ever watch this, I love you. Happy Mother's Day next Sunday. Okay. My, my, my mom, my mom clearly had didn't my mom or my dad clearly didn't have enough pride and heritage within their cultures to name me something that wasn't a fucking white name. So there's a lot of right. like in me, there's a lot. So I, 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 when I tell you, like for someone who lived in Korea for two and a half years and like walked around the city of Seoul and like really got ingrained and, and saw a lot of, I, 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 I know more about Korea and did all the, like we talked about me and Les, we've said all this shit before. For someone who's as well accustomed to some of the Korean cultural isms of a native as I am by way of my mom introducing me to them, I'm still very far removed from identifying psychologically as an Asian. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how to explain it. Um, and also there's this pushback from the community in America. Mm. Of and all in Cor Korea, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just in, in Korea, like you don't go around saying, like Leslie said, Asian <laughs> is a shit that white people use for other. So <laughs> hey, hey, white people and black people, <laughs> listen the fuck up for a second, you you dense dumb motherfuckers. Uh, when, when we're in when we're in Korea, Kevin woke up ready to tell somebody about when themselves we're, today. When we're in Korea, this Asian shit, black and white people, we in we in Korea, we don't walk around going, hey, I'm eight, because like if Kevin walks into the street of Korea and goes out, and people go, what are you? I go, I'm Asian. They're gonna look at me like I'm fucking psycho. So yeah, we don't we don't walk around in Korea. I'm Asian. I'm Korean. It's like, oh, you're. <laughs> it's like walking around in North Carolina going, I'm American. Like, <laughs> I'm Southern. I'm Southern. I'm like, so I, I yeah, I, I've used all four. But Leslie, like, what what was the more like nuance of your question of like, even though my mother's Asian, like, do I do I still have some aspect of relating to the Asian Pacific Islander thing? Well, I was just thinking maybe this will flow more into the next area Vincent had in mind of just talking about identity as a whole but like I was just thinking it's interesting because what you were saying makes me think about the weight that how we're perceived versus just like our life experience like in the home life have on then how we would later more easily identify so you know yeah okay your mom may not have like given you a Korean name she came to the States as an adult, right? Yeah, yeah. so like, she's Korean. <laughs> Both oh, like yeah. blood and like, you know, she was raised in Korea, like culturally. And so you're raised by a Korean mom. Um, and that doesn't mean one thing, right? But like right. you were. And so it's just interesting how, but then because you have not been perceived as Asian, let alone Korean most of your life, it doesn't feel close to home, even though it's literally like your mom 
you know, yeah. like half of your primary caregiver growing up. Okay. I, I and I, it makes saying. me wonder, like, you know, if I weren't perceived, like how that would make me feel, I'd probably be really mad. Oh, let's have the conversation. I've told Vince multiple times. I specific, it's more so with the Korean community. And I, yeah. I never want, I never, I never wanted to say this on this podcast and I'm going to, I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to be very limited in what I do say. All I'll say is I have a bittersweet relationship with the Korean community. Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say. And I'll leave it at that. Now, extending outside of Korean, Puerto Rican, American, Southern, Christian, hip hop. I have a bittersweet relationship with all of them. Hmm. Um, so, and touching on your point to, to actually to, to expose a little bit of my, of my psychology, my dad's English, my mom's English, you can still tell she was a um, first generation. What is it called when they, like, when they come here, but they weren't born. Is it first generation American? Are their kids first generation? I thought the kids are the first generation. I guess they're just the immigrants. The immigrant. immigrants. So you can <laughs> yeah. tell, you can tell my mom, you basically, you can tell English isn't my mom's first language. All she speaks it fluently. She can type it fluently. She's taking college classes, but you can tell it's not her first language. Whereas my dad, at least to me and to my ear, there's a lot of times where he can speak and it, it, it he's very, his, his accent for, for English is a lot better because of the, I think because of the military. Mm -hmm. so I just thought about it as you were saying it growing up my mom at certain points felt like a foreigner to me hmm. it's weird I speak English as a first language so I I perceive it as normal my brother speaks English my dad they, we all speak English but my mom has a strong accent so and I'm brown my brother's brown my dad's brown lady mm -hmm. you're the only there's the, one of these things is not like the other and it's you <laughs> That so. is how I felt about my mom because she was white. So, so I always felt like my mom felt like the other one. That's so interesting because you know, like we all turned out browner than our mom because we're half. Yes. And, so and, 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 and if I remember correctly, like your your mom has brown hair but not dark dark hair like you and your siblings and your. So yeah, there's that that. So mm. if anything, as much as. Puerto Rican culture was never um, integrated into my psychology, into my life at all in any shape, form or fashion, unless I went to go get it. On the flip side, Asian culture was very much so from the furniture in a house to the meals we ate, to sitting on the floor and eating from a, from a shortened table to actually going to Korea to actually, and yet, and still, because of my mom being the one that was the most different in my immediate circle of my family, I felt more psychologically separated from my Korean side. So that's a weird mm. thing that's going on with me. Mm. So mm. interesting. Let me add one more thing before we segue into the next patch, which is the whole discussion around the word Asian. I just feel like we could spend forever on that. It'd be super interesting. We could dig deeper and deeper, but I will clarify and say that I, I, I came off clear, right? What I was saying about it. Like, I don't have really a problem with it. It's just like- You hate it, it you offends mean. you. When you hear it, you get triggered. That's what you meant, but, right? No, I'm just kidding. It was clear. I will say here, like, if there were to be like, oh, okay, I'll just say this, which maybe we already implied, but like to Kevin's point of like, yeah, you wouldn't go around saying you're Asian in Korea, even here, once again, because it's the first place where actually the majority population is Asian and Pacific Islander. Like, if I were to see something that was like, Asian, like an Asian guy, I'll be like, 
confused, you know, because I was like, and almost any gathering is an Asian gathering, unless it explicitly, uh, for some reason, you know what I mean? Like, there's we're usually the majority wherever you are mm-hmm. here, which is cool and it's very psyche affecting, you know. But in on the mainland, when I would see stuff like that, like in college, my first time, there was like a, there was some, I think it was called like Asian American group it was like mostly women and queer people and we were all Asian and I loved it I was like yeah and I knew why they were using that term you know Mm, so it just really does depend on context yeah yeah Mm. but well I guess same kind of train I I didn't want to get um stuck too much in identity just in the context of like racial identity um I think we can same conversation but broaden it to just identity at large. And this is something that um, I think is just generally interesting. And I think we, um, I remember in 2016, a big thing that was a kicker for me was uh, a lot of like the hashtag discourse online. There's this idea that identity is some static thing that is never changing in a person, as well as like, it's some static thing where like our great, great grandparents had the same identity identity that we had and they had it in the same kind of hierarchy where maybe today we identify as an like American Southern Baptist father accountant um, uh, in that order. Whereas the same person existing in that space 200 years ago probably didn't have the same kind of conception. Even if they were in theory doing the same thing, they might have valued like their local church or their their state. There wasn't really like a federal identity around the American Revolution time. So I, I just think like these different things for people can be differently. And then there's like this aesthetic version of identity that we have internalized in the digital age where like if you like something that becomes like you know, I'm a, a stand for BTS or like a Nikki stand. And that's for people, some people that's like a legitimate like piece of their identity. Oh yeah. Um, which is really interesting because that's also different if we jump back a couple hundred years where identity was more so born out of the role you played socially, right? So you were a mother, but that was because the role that you literally played was you, I mean, that's what you provided to society. And because of that, that's what's surfaced in your identity. Whereas today, maybe you're a mom, but you identify as a painter because that's like your favorite hobby. You know, it's just, I think it's interesting to kind of take inventory, at least for me, of how, like, what do I define as my identity? What things surface up? Um, And this is an exercise I haven't done, I think, since 2016. So just to start off, I was intrigued because the first two things that came to mind, and I'm going to sound like a hippie, so let's get it out the way, um, was I, my identity is as a human and then as an artist. And like, those are the two things that matter more so than anything else. Things like being a man, being black, being American, like those fall way low in the hierarchy, um, which is interesting to me. And I think it kind of shows by the things that like I value and how I perceive things um that was probably a very long-winded introduction but i'm curious like what are the pieces and i i i, I love to scream about race but I, I i less concerned with like like racial identity i'm i'm curious like what other pieces Vincent of, like, tried having... to make it a quick little segue into identity me and kevin were ready we no it was beautiful it was perfect um but i'm curious like what are the in the Kevin and Leslie sandwich? Like, what are the the fillings and the ingredients? Um, you don't have to make it like a hierarchy yet. I'm curious, like, just what 
percolates in your head. Um, and again, if it's helpful to like, for you to think for me, it's like human, an artist, which is interesting because I have, I used to have issues with identifying as an artist or a dancer, um, man, American, um, black, mixed, etc., etc. And by the way, we know what Kevin's are because he pronounces it every episode. So this is really just me and Leslie <laughs> catching up as an artist, as a poet. Sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Fuck you. <laughs> um, all right, fine. Uh, outsider. Mm, ooh. Listen, <laughs> let me go through every one of my... Uh, Hell yes. ...ones. Mm. I, I, I don't... I don't the things I identify and have always identified as for one reason or another, every, every time I've been within a larger range of that, a larger um, saturation of these, of these communities, I felt the sensation of outsider, male, Christian, Puerto Rican, Korean, artist, military, every single one. So I just like this. You feel this, that way in the hip hop community? Yeah. It's a rapper. Yeah. Um, Vince, this is why I don't get about you white people. This is what I don't understand. You white people love so much shit like Superman and Hercules where the basic notion of these movies is there's an outsider who feels not like a, a lack of a sense of belonging to the community. And we love, oh, but they become the hero and they, they strive to become more than their pains and their sorrows. And you go to the movie theaters and eat popcorn, pay all this money and applaud and fucking like, like gawk over and like drool over these like these, that archetypal story of the outsider striving beyond their their issues and being able to like overcome and surpass and shit like that but then they see people like me and leslie in these communities and don't understand why the brown kid at manor church west florida is like sulking on the back of a truck because like i'm in a church for the white people that I, I i i feel like an outsider amongst that's why i don't get about your people anyway moving on mm -hmm. outsider I've I don't always, get that about my people either. And it, and it took me. Me not, too. Not, you, not <laughs> your people. Not, <laughs> not your. Actually, yeah, both of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. It's basically I, a white I, podcast. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we, I, Between I, me I, and Vince, we have a whole white person. <laughs> I low key. <laughs> I low key be forgetting Leslie is white. <laughs> I low key. Um, yeah, I I spent 27, 28 heartbreaking years, 26 maybe, heartbreaking years wondering why none of these communities uh, fully embraced me, why I never felt fully embraced or accepted. And so it just took me to realize like, you'll, you'll never, it's like if you see two indigenous tribes, it's a Romeo and Juliet story, but, um, but it, exists, it exists literally within tribalism and in like indigenous tribes where if like whether it's in the middle east or in, or in brazil where two warring tribes if there a baby happens between a woman from one tribe and a man from another tribe that baby sometimes won't be accepted by either tribe it'll be and then you have to decide whether that baby's going to survive or the parents are going to actually go out of their way to take care of it and be exiled from the tribes i felt like that my entire life so the one word that mm -hmm. i now use that I, I don't say this to like I, I don't ever say this to people but about two years ago i was like oh outsider Fuck everyone. Fuck everyone. Fuck all of you. Which is why it, it feeds into my self-confidence and my self-affirmation. Because if, if, if I looked at my mom as an outsider to me and a foreigner to me, I had to be my support system. I had, my identity had to come from, and of course, the, 
my identity and self-worth had to come from and my mom was a played a big role and so and building that in me but mm. started with my mom led to all these other communities and i've always felt like an outsider and so i've always tried to incubate myself and 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 go it's so you can it's, it's almost like you get stars in school like a gold star on your thing and you thought you had like in your mind you just created stars of value puerto rican korean hip-hop artist rapper poet dancer artist a military member xyz and then you slowly go doesn't mean shit doesn't mean shit doesn't i don't give a fuck what merit society puts on these i'm no longer putting value in any of these write on a piece of paper outsider fuck everyone else signed kevin Oh, we What's love XO, XO <laughs> Gossip Girl. <laughs> well, you know, Kevin, there's also situations where people from different tribes will send their, you know, children to get married as a way of building <laughs> bridges and peace. So you could be that person who is the is the one who nah, shows everybody nah, yeah. that you know what? a lot of you know our what? little lines are you know stupid. You know, you know what? You know what? Actually, Leslie brings up a good point. I'll bring up two points because Leslie. You did. I, I left. What did she I, say? I left. <laughs> not. Oh. I left. I told Vince this in Fayetteville. My, my agenda in life is to breed all purebred people out of existence. Honestly, as a biracial podcast, I think we can all get down with the um, final solution for the purebreds. Hey, hey, if you're listening, if you're listening and you're full and you're full and you're full anything, oh, you, 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 listen to, listen to. You know what? No, I'm cutting this off. I'm sharing my answer. No, 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 wait, 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 because there's two good jokes in here. There's two good jokes. I'm a, I'm a practicing comedian. From now on, Kevin is a practicing comedian. There's two good jokes. I think any full bread anything is the past and mixed is the future. Also, number two, it was funny, but I'm, I'm just going to say it. Because I there there is a level. Plus, he's bracing herself. There <laughs> is a level. There is a. It's funny. I love hip hop culture, and by way of hip hop culture, I have a certain level of acceptance because of hip hop, not as being black, but as a participant and a creator and a contributor within hip hop. So I have a level of acceptance and embrace from the black community in that in that realm. So sometimes the most supportive people from the black community for me have been black women, whether it's like they treat me like I'm like they're my mm. aunt, my mother, like my grandma so, or, or my sister. Black women. So, Can we just have a moment of silence? Say shout like, out for black literally. women. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so literally when I was leaving and I, this is when I knew how much black women will, will like cherish men within their community one of the black women when I left my hometown or Fayetteville said, yo, Kevin, don't bring home no white girl. And I was like, I'm not black. I'm, I'm not white. Why can't I? <laughs> but then what Leslie said about being the bridge to another tribe, that's absolutely how I see it. I fully intended, I fully believe it's my responsibility to catch a full breed of something else and then help make sure that they can't breed their own breed. Oh. Into their <laughs> that is what Leslie suggested. So I'm glad that you got her message loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> all right my mm. turn identity yeah so 
what I can say is for it, when I try to think of my answer, I see a picture and the picture I see is a little something floating along in the deep ocean. And as it floats, little barnacles get stuck to it. Sometimes algae hits, sometimes it floats closer to the surface. Sometimes it goes deeper. Sometimes it's in saltier water. It just floats through a vast ocean. And then like, it is a thing, which I guess is the question, but I'll just give the picture. Like it's the thing, but then it's just like constantly in relation with where it is in the water and then what else is in the water with it. And like, you know, different environmental factors over time will cause it to grow in different ways or then I absolutely I think identity is dynamic and fluid and I don't remember if you and I talked about this Vincent it's funny you brought that up because I've been thinking about that have we talked about it in some of our random musings I don't know yeah we might have back in the the spicy 2016 days perhaps Mm. but yeah I just so yeah I mean things like woman or Korean American like definitely there but that picture makes more sense to me than trying to be like but what is that thing that's floating through it's like well it's just me like mm-hmm. and then and i'm and, and i i'm not saying that i think people are just purely environmental factors but like i think people are how when they pop out like how they interact with their environment and there's the interesting part of epigenetics too which have you guys read much about mm-hmm. It's a field of it's a field of study that I think has kind of been on the incline for the past decade. And I learned about it because I first heard about the idea of the possibility of like trauma being in, passed through the genes. Oh, and so there needs man. to be a lot more research, but oh. the basic epigenetics is the study of how and why gene traits are expressed. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you actually change the DNA, but it has it's there's growing evidence that different forms of trauma change the way and why and how certain genes are uh, expressed. And then that change does get passed on to how your children's, so the genes don't change, but how and why they're expressed can, there's mounting evidence like can be influenced. Um, So that too, right? Where it's almost, it's a little more, I guess, to use Vincent's word nuance than just saying like, well, it's us. And then we interact with our environment. It's like, and then they start yeah. getting mixed and then you know it's again kind of the chicken and egg thing <laughs> yeah our fourth theme of the season i guess chicken and egg entered the game late but it's come up strong every episode for i think the past three so <laughs> no i love that it reminds me of that book i think i mentioned one of my favorites from last year was behave by robert sapolsky where the whole premise is like human behavior is not a single question of why but like what happened when you act in that behavior, what happened a second before biologically, like what happened years before in your parents, like what happened with your, like, it's just like a huge continuum that primes you for certain reactions beyond like your control. Uh, but to push your picture a little bit, Leslie, because a fall push. Wait, 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 wait. Did Vince ever, exp- I answered. I went Leslie. first. He went super short. He was like, well, I'm a human and an artist. And that was like his whole answer. <laughs> Why? Well, sorry, I didn't realize we were doing uh, video essays for every answer today. So I guess I just <laughs> underestimated the response. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Se- season three, your topic. I'm uh, gonna fuck like one word answers to every question. Wait, wait till season three. We love Spitfire. No, okay. Well, if you again, I, and I'll uh, answer my own question and elaborate on my identity. But th- to push the picture was 
like what of these identities are essential um as opposed to like appendages and i've been had the song taste by animal collective in my head ever since i sent you guys the notes where they say am i really all the things that are outside of me and they're referring to like material things you can hold but i feel like there's a similar dynamic with identities where there is like an essential vincent but some of these identities are just appendages an example would be race like race isn't anything biological to me it's really just a socio-political reality that i've existed in but it's not nothing innate to who i am if i were dropped off in a different time period at a different place it looking like this i could very easily not be black um so i'm curious for y'all like what's essential and to me the only thing that's essential about who i am is that that human identity which for me i think is where i get this weirdly visceral like priority of like empathizing with others and like showing solidarity and I think I just see myself as like one piece of like this bigger organism and I think that's increasingly how I understand myself and how I understand the way that I interact with the world Leslie and I've talked about spirituality a little bit I think that's where I get like my secular version of spirituality is just understanding that I'm just a piece of this big organism that's human like humanity as well as like our environment like we're all just part of that um and I like really identify with that but I think those two are the only things that are really core and can't be removed um without me no longer being me Mm. does that make sense at all what are y'all's thoughts that does make sense I guess to push the picture for my answer further so you're asking what is that thing floating through right like what's the essential like, what is that what is that that we can like pull out of the water and drop on the land what's still there right 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 i mean i suppose like i'm an expression of life like i'm an instance where life happened out of everything so i could and i am definitely am a human life so I don't want to steal your answer. I don't know, but I guess if, if without getting into the specifics of like, well, do I think I'd still be me if I had, you know, been a cat or something like, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm an expression of life without trying to apply the metaphor too heavy handed, you know, to where it would run into a lot of issues. I think that's the one that makes sense to me where I do feel broadly like a connection with like, oh, I got to be an instance where I have this consciousness and I have faculties to engage with my environment and other forms of life that can bring a lot of beauty and joy. Because I was going to say like something along the lines of like imagination as being this really essential part, which is not like an artist. Like, mm. you know, I, I definitely am like, yeah, that that fits, but something about because like when you think of interacting with your environment it's like you're also interacting with the environment of your mind I feel that way and like we've talked about that right like I'm not just interacting with the environments I'm placed with I'm interacting with how my mind works and like examining that and like I've always kind of been that way and it breeds a lot of like a lot of the ways I figure stuff out and process and everything it's like pushed through like an imagination like I like think of like I just push it through a lot of stuff. And so I was thinking like imagination, but 
you can't really say, well, you just take imagination and that's my, like, so I guess life, mm. like I'm an expression of life. Mm. <laughs> God. Beautiful. What do you think, Kevin? About what? <laughs> Vince said, Vince said, if I reach my hand into the thing, grab it and drop it on land, what is it? And then Leslie just says, life, life. <laughs> what, what do I think about what? That was beautiful. Honestly, I, I love that answer. No, what, what is this? No. What is essential to your identity? What is like, all these things, sure, you're like through you, the way you, your lived experience, like you've taken them on. Cause it's, it's life because it's like, you have the faculties of life. That's the only essential thing, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Go what ahead, is Kevin. life? Never mind. We'll not go down that. <laughs> um. Damn. So, are you saying that the one, if we were to begin stripping off ideas and and uh, modifiers, what's the what's the base minimum that you couldn't strip off before I stop being me and it could just be human in general? Right. Like, what are? Because in theory. All of these things, even I think like an artist or like an outsider, in theory, these are things that don't have to always be the case for who we are. Maybe we're not an artist or maybe you're not an outsider in 50 years, but what, what's core you inextricable. Damn. That's a, yeah, I, I, I was, I was going to say human, but I, even that is like... I know, Vincent, you kind of made it impossible to give any answer except mm. for that. Like, literally, Vincent. <laughs> but, like, oh, shit. Um, you, I mean, you if know, you guys think otherwise or can conceive of it a different way, I'm, I'm open to it. Well, yeah. Okay, so let's let's use human as, like... Like, let's let's use human as the the, the presupposed base layer. So then, so then if human is the layer that all humans that me, you and Leslie have to, right. That's actually a very effective way, Kevin. Yes. Cause it's like unfair. Vince just steals (laughs) a a land grab for, it's like, it's like, what what, what just happened? Sorry. No one else can say human besides me. (laughs) Fucking fucking colonial Christopher Columbus head ass over here. Classroom and like the student who raised his hand first gave the best answer and everyone's just struggling to like, Okay, what would be? Let's presuppose human. Mm. So then, yeah, what would be the next closest to home? Mm. Or maybe it's still outsider. Yeah, outsider's the top. Outsider goes above everything. There's nothing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing above, uh, below outsider. Mm. If we're presupposing life slash human, um, for me, I would say there's not like one word that's why i feel like my picture was better but like something along the lines of like thinker processor feeler i would think like thinker feeler processor in like one like uh, and i know all people do that but i just feel like i do it a lot so i would like and it, it it's like a core of then these other things that would be attached to me like a writer like an artist like a dancer like you know it's mm. does that make sense yeah, so you're saying if human or life is the base, and then the next layer is thinker, writer, uh, feeler. Not even writer, just like, I don't think thinker is a good word, feeler is not a good word, processors, but something that could somehow combine a lot of the idea of like... Consciousness? Well, see, then maybe, yeah, it's back to the life thing. I know everybody does that, but I feel like I do it 
and the way that I do it makes me think it's closer to like something I would pull as the core. Like you can't really strip this away and me still be me. Because huh. everybody does it, but some people might do it in a way that they don't consider as close to their core identity. Yeah. Whereas it's like, no, it's an effect of living life. And in that living that life, I prioritize other things. Whereas for me, it's like, that's a way that I like, you know, like, yeah, it's like a, but, but it does sound like, could... it does sound like you're putting a very specific because mm. consciousness oh, would have consciousness would have a connotation of life, but you seem to be making a very clear distinction that the life is the base layer. And then there's something very distinct about you being you on top of the life layer that is this thing that that's hard for you to put like a descriptor on which is fine but it sounds like i mean like you're saying that has to you're saying there has to be a connotation that if that all humans and all living things have this but it's unique to the to your expression of it makes you you but you're saying that there's a very it's not just you put the consciousness on the life there's a very specific lego on top of the life lego that has to be added there no, I think it's the same way you're utilizing outsider because I think that everybody to some degree feels like an outsider, but a lot of people probably don't feel it anywhere near to as strong as, and it affects them near to as strong as it affects you. So it wouldn't be something they would call like, yeah, you can't strip this away and me still be me. You know, it's more like, no, sometimes I feel like oh. an outsider or like in these contexts or like at this phase of life, whereas for you, you feel like, so I'm just saying the same thing for like everybody thinks and processes. And I don't think I'm like more, it's just like, it's really central to how I move through the world. So I would think it's something like, I can't really imagine that being taken away and me still be me. Like if I was still really like, mm. think about all the other things I am, I guess. But I don't think any of those things would be the way they are if you took that away. Whereas you could take away, yeah. like, could take away any, like a lot of other things. And as long as I still had that that thing. Yeah. That, yeah you know? I see, I see yeah. what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I kind of want to, since you took human, I get to take fueler. Mm. I, f I feel like, but I don't like the word fueler. <laughs> I feel like there's like a better word that's like experiential almost. Like I, yeah. I like, I like, I guess a picture was the best way to describe it. Cause I'm starting to kind of picture too, like me as an empty vessel, like bumbling around and like hitting things. Mm. There being like some kind of like electricity when I hit them. And like bumping around but i i do think like more than anything i'm a feeler i don't know like mm. well that totally makes sense and the picture definitely is more than just the word feeler mm -hmm. i don't know i'm also thinking of the word like empath but i don't think that's a good word either yeah that's one of those words where I feel like if you're empathetic, you're like, oh, an empath, but then you're like suspicious of it. <laughs> you know? Kevin, do you have a picture that that feels rising up for you, like with the outsider feeling? If there's a picture that would be closer feeling to what you mean when you say that? No, I can only use um, like dramatized. So like Tarzan, um, Superman. Like yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I forgot. I forgot the other. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The, I, I can, I can only imagine. But, but like very innate to my picture. Since, since I started noticing that the communities I embraced didn't embrace me, there was the the. Actually, I I wrote a poem about. It. I put it in my 
put it in my poetry book. Um, little brown boy has been like this psychological thing about mm-hmm. the way I see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's maybe not the most basic thing, but like, if, if you break down those three, those three ideas. So what I'll walk you through, I'll, I'll try to walk you through it really quickly. Why, why, why does, why does, why does Kevin say little when boys already an adjective, right? Or a noun? Why emphasize? Because there's something happening there. Psycho- there's, there's a self-image there happening psychologically, emotionally, and mentally with a sense of feebleness, vulnerability. Um, uh, there's, a, there's, there's something to emphasize about feeling intimidated and daunted by the world. Then Brown, he didn't say Hispanic. He didn't say, like Brown. I, you, you've neutralized any specification of belonging to any community. Um, and then re-emphasizing boy, like boy, almost like not womb-like, but re-emphasizing like the way I feel in this world is, is mm. yeah, like when, they, when, when, when Tarzan's that little kid or like Superman gets sent off in this little thing. Um, so psychologically, there's the, there are these elements, little brown boy that are very, very childlike creativity, childlike um, wonder, childlike. Are there th- those three elements wrapped up? Maybe aren't. Maybe you could take them away, and I still be me. But they, the, the system might fucking like go haywire because they feel very fundamental to how I, how I think I approach life, and how who, who I think who I think people come into contact with. Like for example. There's not a single set, like I, like you guys know, I've taught dance classes, I've done children's ministry in churches, even now, like I've done youth groups. There's not a single group of kids you'll ever see me have been around who don't absolutely love, like adore me. Mm, I can see that. Absolutely, like, like, like they, like their parents come home and go like, literally for like the past four weeks, all our kids have been saying is Mr. Kevin this, Mr. Kevin that, Mr. Kevin, like, so that like I I have this like childlike nature about me and energy where I I, I it's not I, it's not even like I'm doing it purposely but I know how to connect with younger people and kids and I know how, like that childlike wonder and creativity and awe, um, that's like essential to who I am. Then brown because brown doesn't have any descriptors, just brown. It's 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 like white and black. It's like no like there's there's how many countries in Africa and then Northern Africa is Arabic. And like, you, how many, like, but black, like you take away all the script, you, you strip and rob every single specific, specify, not let alone the country of Somalia, but then you go down to the tribes and you go down to the regions of the tribe and then the villages and the clans of the, and then little, like there's this, yeah, yeah. So I feel mm-hmm. feeble. So yeah, yeah. Just though the, probably little Brown, whenever I think of myself and I see myself in my head, it's like this little, this little big eyed brown eyed boy sitting in the middle of a jungle, like fucking Kevin Tarzan. Is that big eye emoji, but brown. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> really interesting. I actually really resonate with like, I feel like the past couple months I've been in dialogue with little Vincent. That's been like a thing I've been thinking about and like interacting with them. And I actually, I think it rebuffs. It's in the context of like, what I would tell myself at that point. And a lot of it is about like feeling free just to experience the things around me, the people around me fully. And like that being like the primary driver of, of me today, but also me then as well, but also, you know, not really understanding what that means in that context or 
for various reasons, not really leaning into engaging with the world around me and experiencing things. Uh, but yeah, I really, I V resonate with a little, I'm not, I mean, maybe a little black boy would be better for me, but mm. the, the little boy thing is, it hits. And think about it, like what, that's the purest, in, in, in the linear stage of life, you're purest and most unadulterated before like, you had to start becoming things, student, employee, like before you had to start. Before you got weighed down with all these appendage identities. The, the purest form of who you were was, was the, you have to go earlier in life, in the cycle of life to find the purest form of probably what your soul was, your mind was, your heart was, before you even knew to like filter your words. So this idea of like people psychologically having that entity inside of them which is their child format that they speak to their older format and their child format like them as a grand as a grand as an elder and then them as a as a as, a, as an adolescent is like very, i think is a very strong psychological ideas that, that are important to like knowing how to move through the world quick question brought up to uh kevin's point about video brown and then vincent saying like little black boy might be better vincent how do you feel about our introductory fit phrase of like three brown people? Because I've been meaning to ask you for a long time. And I remember at one point early, you were like, well, I'm black. But then it just kind of continued being our intro phrase. Uh, I mean, I don't really conceive myself as brown. Huh? I don't conceive myself as brown, but it doesn't like bother me or anything. I think it, it fits. Yeah, I always felt like Kevin was talking about just generally, like literally like the visual like yeah. color but I no works. i was just curious we can also cut this if that's <laughs> i feel like sometimes i accidentally maybe on this podcast because we say it that way i i'll say brown mm. i don't ever think of myself as a brown person but also like eh, who cares i got yeah, mind yeah. control i got mind control over debo i actually am i am i half puerto rican half korean now oh, <laughs> you'll you'll belong more you'll belong more than i do you know how to salsa. You can speak a little bit of Amamacita. Uh, you you go to K-Town all the time and eat Korean barbecue. Which is apparently Leslie's nickname now, little Mamacita. Mamacita. Can I say that nothing has ever made me feel so good than this girl in college college calling me Papi Chulo? I might have said that before on this podcast, but it was something. it was something so... It just hits so well. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be called this, but please call me that some more. Yo, that's going to be the introductory clip for this episode. I'm going to clip it and put it on the story. <laughs> uh, I'm just being honest. Oh, uh, I think she follows me on Instagram, but it's fine. Uh, she won't know what I'm talking about. Thank you for listening to the Bottomless Podcast. <laughs> Wait, right? Any You're last thoughts on identity? Okay. Yeah. Um, find us everywhere streaming bottomless peace bottomless, bottomless.